Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. August is upon us already. Can you believe it? This week, we are really buckled down and preparing for the Gift of Life Walk and Run at Blossom Music Center. It's a huge undertaking with tons of tasks and details to check off our to-do list. The staff at LifeBank will surely be very busy this week. However, August is about much more than the Gift of Life Walk and Run. It is actually National Minority Donation Awareness Month. We know that many of the men, women, and children on the waiting list are people of color, Black, Hispanic, Asian, and Pacific Islanders. Our episode today will share the story of one young man, Garrison Markins, and his decision to be a hero to his recipients. We will talk with Garrison's mom, Molly, and one of the recipients of his organs. But first, I wanna talk with our colleague and expert on minority donor awareness, Linda Kimball, the Executive Director of MOTEP, which stands for Minority Organ Tissue Transplant Education Program, to speak to why it's so important to set a month aside and really focus on minority donor awareness. Linda, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I was so excited when they actually created a month instead of just a day and then a week because we need to focus in on the awareness about minorities being on the wait list more so than our white counterpart because minorities have a particularly high need for organ transplants such as kidney, heart, lung, pancreas, liver are common in racial and ethnic minority populations than the general population because of certain diseases such as have blood pressure and diabetes because it's prevalent in our communities of color. And we just need to know and also raise awareness that nearly 60% of the national transplant waiting lists are from a multicultural community. So we need to keep on educating people about the need in our minority community and keep on raising awareness and also signing people up to become organ donors. I totally agree. And the thing about diabetes and hypertension, they really are silent diseases, even kidney failure. You really don't have symptoms until your disease has progressed to a point where you need attention. And it's a very scary thing. Also, one observance I have is that it seems to be a dialysis center on every corner. Our population is prone to needing dialysis because of kidney failure. Of the, what is it, 100,000 people waiting on the wait list, I think it's 80% are in need of a kidney. Exactly. I am actually housed at the Center for Dialysis Care in Cleveland. And unfortunately, I always tell our new employees, we're never going to go out of business. And it's a sad case that I have to say this because younger and younger people I see are actual dialysis patients and they're like in their 20s. I'm hearing about 22-year-olds being on dialysis because of the prevalence of those diseases that we mentioned, have blood pressure and diabetes. And it's, it's just such a sad case 
and you, you are right. And I actually think it's a little higher, maybe about 85% of the actual people who are in need of transplants are in need of kidneys. It's, it's just because we need to actually educate people, especially in communities of color, about prevention. We need to talk about eating well. We need to talk about um, exercise. Um, one of the things that Cleveland Motep does with our project partners, such as LifeBank and the Kidney Foundation of Ohio, we actually just had a great youth summit talking to five-year-olds to 18-year-olds about how to stay as healthy as possible, how to keep your body as healthy as possible. So you don't have to actually, in the future, have diseases such as diabetes and high blood pressure. We know there's family history, but also you can start as early as possible educating yourself, but also lead me a healthy lifestyle. So you don't have to be like your grandmother or your uncle and have dialysis and have organ failure. So it is a sad case that in our dialysis, the majority of the people who are waiting, who are on the dialysis machine are, are actually multicultural from our multicultural community. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Gordon Bowen says it all the time that the best day would be if LifeBank had to close its doors because everybody who needs an organ receives it. But also if we can prevent the need for an organ transplant, that would be fabulous. I have two other guests on the show and one is Molly Markins. Her son, Garrison Markins, was a 21-year-old young man who sadly passed and he was an organ donor. What are your comments about a young person such as Garrison being so thoughtful and signing up to be a registered donor? You know, that pulls at my heart and it just makes me so, so blessed that somebody that young actually it, it just made a decision or his family made a decision to give the gift of life to somebody. That's actually the greatest act of love we sign as give the gift of life to somebody else. So I know me as, as a, a younger person, I signed up, but that is just huge, huge sacrifice, potentially save somebody's life to actually do that. And Garrison's mom, as well as his liver recipient, uh, really cherished that decision he made. Sadly, you know, we don't have Garrison here anymore. However, his legacy lives on and we honor him through the gift of life. So Linda, thank you for sharing your thoughts on National Minority Donor Awareness Month. I just want to thank you for allowing me to talk about this subject, because as you also said, is that even though we have this National Minority Donor Awareness Month, we need to continue to talk about this, about not only awareness about being organ, eye, and tissue donors, but also about prevention and also Talking to young people as young as five years old, I know it's kind of a scary subject to five-year-olds, but just talking about, about health and wellness and, you know, about the future of what we need to do to keep ourselves as healthy as possible. So if you're not an organized tissue donor, please consider and also go on our website and actually look at all the stories of hope and about the gift of life. So thank you so much allowing me to talk to Colleen. Oh, thank you, Linda. You're the best. I'm going to turn to Molly now. Molly, we are so pleased to have you back on Let's Talk About Life. You had shared Garrison's story in an earlier episode. But for those listeners who may not have heard your story, can you tell us how Garrison passed? 
So Garrison was born with a heart condition. And unfortunately, um, when he was 20 years old, he had a cardiac arrest from that heart condition that he had when he was born. And because of his downtime, he uh, lacked oxygen to his brain. So he ended up with a traumatic brain injury that he could not survive. So that is what happened with Garrison. But Garrison was a registered organ donor. And I think that is so profound for a young man, especially of 20, to be that thoughtful of other people. Do you remember talking to Garrison about organ donation at all? I absolutely do. Um, Because of COVID, Garrison did not get his driver's license until he was 18. And I can remember when we were standing at the desk after he had passed his driver's exam, they asked him if he would um, want to be an organ donor. And when they asked him, he looked at me and he said, Mom, what should I do? And, And I told him, I said, buddy, you're 18. That's a decision that you have to make. And he looked at me and he asked some questions about what it meant and how it worked. And being a nurse, I was able to answer both of those questions for him. But I told him, I said, ultimately, it's your decision. And he said to me, he said, but mom, you would be the one that has to take care of that. And I told him I would honor whatever his wishes were, um, but never expecting that I would have to honor those wishes. But I was always very proud of him for making that decision on his own. He was always a very caring and loving person. He had a heart for others. And he truly had a love for life and others and always lived by that. So this was something within his character he would do to help other people. Again, that's so remarkable in a young person. And I just give you and Garrison a lot of credit for being so thoughtful. Yeah, he always was known for his big heart. And that's why I always think it's very ironic. He passed from a condition called cardiomyopathy, which by definition means big heart. And he truly did have a big heart, especially for other people. And he would always put others first, especially before himself. We are a large blended family. Um, We adopted Garrison as well as eight other children. And then we have two biological And growing up, there was an 11-year gap between Garrison and his youngest brother. And I have so many pictures of Garrison just cuddling Thaddeus and loving on him. And he was truly a great big brother. And we also have custody of our grandson who was six. And Garrison just absolutely loved him. And, And if you ask Dominic, he would tell you that his uncle Gigi was his best friend. And he still goes over to see Uncle Gigi and he'll look at us and just say, I need to go talk to Gigi. And so we'll take him over and he'll just go to his grave and talk to him a little bit. And and that to me is, it just shows how much Garrison had love for his family and for his siblings and his nephews and his nieces and even his friends. So great. So great. So you had an extraordinary experience. We shared earlier that you were able to meet one of Garrison's uh, recipients, and that was Linda Wasco, and she was the recipient of his liver. Can you share about what that process was like getting to know Linda and then eventually meeting her? Um, I can remember um, the very moment that I got the email from her. Um, Quite honestly, I was 30,000 feet in the air. We were flying back from a vacation that we kind of used as a two-week reset 
on March 15th of this year. And my Wi-Fi went off that I had an email. And so I went in and looked at my email and it was actually from Linda. And ironically, that flight, we do what we call garrison bags. And they're just little treats and little trinkets and information about Garrison's story and about how important organ donation is and that that's what we're making Garrison's legacy. And the pilot had just read the letter that we put in that bag. So my husband and I were already in tears and like people were applauding us and everything for our son's choice. And then we got the email from Linda. So we were doubly crying at that point. But we emailed back and forth a couple times and then we exchanged phone numbers and we spent like from March till July texting um, and getting to know each other through text. And we had made the arrangements like very early on in our texting that she was coming for her one year um, checkup at the Cleveland Clinic uh, the day before Garrison's one year um, passing anniversary. And she asked if it would be okay if she came to his grave and paid her respects. And we told her that that was absolutely fine with us. And we also agreed to meet her. So we actually met Linda on the one-year anniversary of Garrison's passing. And we met her at Garrison's grave. And I can remember when she got out of the car, I just looked at her and I knew um, that part of my son was keeping her alive. And it was very, it was a very intense hug because it just was very bittersweet. It was one that we had talked about and and one that I can remember her saying to me that she just wanted to hug me because she couldn't imagine the immense pain that I was experiencing. And, and that's what it was. Like, I, I think when we hugged, it was truly me being her strength and her being my strength because we had, we talked a lot about recipients remorse and, and I told her, I said, I don't want you to feel that because my reality on July 13th at 9:16 was never going to change, but her reality could. Um, and I told her, I said, you know, it's not your fault. It's not anything that you should feel remorseful about. Um, and I was very adamant about telling her that. And then when she came down, like to begin with, the conversation was just kind of like, okay, what do we say? But then, like two or three minutes in, it just became so natural. Mm. And it just flowed with her. And Linda and Dave both were just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we just had great conversation. And we were able to tell stories about Garrison and, and shared a lot about him. And, and she asked questions about him, which meant a lot to my husband and I, because she wanted to know about him. And she wanted to know about the young man that saved her life. And we are so honored to have Linda Wasco, who received Garrison's liver. Linda, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So happy to be talking with you. Yes. (laughs) So happy to still be here. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I want to start at the beginning. What led to the need for a liver transplant? was actually June 25th, 1983. I was in an auto accident and I needed blood transfusion. And then fast forward, 
to 2021, I was having trouble with my ankle and my leg swelling just out of the blue. So I went for tests and more tests and more tests. And then finally, they found out that I had hepatitis C. Oh, wow. So then they had to figure out how I had hepatitis C. And the only conclusion they came up with is that it was probably in the blood I received in 1983 because they didn't test it back then. I remember those days. I mean, blood transfusions and all of that. They were pretty high risk back then. Yep. See, but I didn't even realize that. I was so young then. I, you know, I did whatever the doctor said to do, you do. Yeah, weren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this developed into hepatitis C. And did they treat it? It was so bad by the point that my feet and legs started swelling. My liver was shutting down. And I had cirrhosis of the liver. So I needed a transplant quick. I would absolutely not be here today if things didn't happen the way they did. That is the most miraculous thing that you're so close to death, yeah. to be honest, especially with liver disease. You you get so, so, so ill. And mine, I had no symptoms until I was near my liver shutting down. And that was when everything started. It was so hard to move to just try to walk a short distance because my body was retaining so much water. Mm-hmm. You, you just, everything was just so hard to do. Aww. And you kept thinking one day, one day, it has to be my turn. And then it was. I'm glad you brought that up. What was it like when you got the call? I was actually at the hospital in for a parenthesis, I think they call it, where they drain the fluids. And my husband was in the waiting room like he always was. And they brought me out and I thought I was just going back home to wait. And when we got, I got out there with the nurse, he said, we got the call. We have to go home and get your bag. We're going to Cleveland. You have a donor. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So how was that? Oh, so exciting because our bag was packed for a couple months already because they tell you that pack your bag because you really don't ever know when that call could come. So we had it packed and in the back of the car already. I just had to run home for scripts and we headed to Cleveland. Okay. And where do you live, Linda? I live in Springbrook, Pennsylvania. And how far is that from Cleveland? Well, it could be about five and a half hours almost six. It depends on the road construction you hit on the way. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That must have been a long drive. Wow. Yeah. And so exciting because we were in contact with the hospital the whole time. They wanted to know where we were at and about what time they would get there. And they had everything set up. We pulled up the front. Everyone knew when I would get there and, and it was so fast. They had me in a room just waiting to go into transplant. Wow. Surgery. Oh, you had to be scared, though. You can't really be scared because you know you're dying where you're at. And then the transplant was like your whole hope. Good point. Good point. 
So I'm sure on that five and a half hour drive to Cleveland, somewhere along the line, you thought about the donor and the donor family. Can you explain your feelings at that time? You can't even imagine because you're you're hoping it's somebody that just passed from natural causes. Because you hate to see another person lose a family member to keep you alive. Then when I found out the story, I couldn't believe Garrison was so young, but he had an incredible life. And he had challenges from when he was born, and he overcame all of them. And, oh, he, he was just incredible. And then Molly said that it was very, very important to Garrison to be an organ donor. He said he wanted to help people even after he was gone. He asked her to make sure that they followed through with his wishes, and and they did, of course. That really is the key to our episode today. Garrison uh, was a black young man. Oh, he was an incredible athlete. Like he soared in everything he did, he was amazing at. And, and I think it's important to note that he made that decision on his own, being somebody that was young and he just had that instinct that he wanted to help others. And, and what a marvelous young man. Yeah, he was. It broke your heart, but it made you happy because it was what he wanted. It's kind of a mixed emotion feeling. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Then you finally get to meet Molly and Curtis. How was that? How was that experience? We just saw each other and we just hugged so tight and we just kept crying and squeezed so tight. And it was just so good to finally be able to hug her. I'm sure that Garrison was there with you and hugging you both at the same time because that was Oh, uh, we, we were actually at the cemetery at, at his grave is where we met. So her and her husband were there and it was just unbelievable. And then we we got to be part of, it was like a celebration of his life and they lit Chinese lanterns. And it was amazing. How beautiful. What a beautiful tribute to a wonderful, beautiful young man. Yeah, and it made my heart so happy when we were there. There were so many people that loved him. You could just see how loved he was in his life. There's no better tribute than being there with people that loved him and, as a result, love you. Yep. I can't wait. Myself and Three of my children were going down to Life Bank Walk. Yeah, the gift of yeah. life walk and run. That's yeah, that's great. Yep. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'll be able to meet you there because I'll be probably by the stage most of the day. But I w- I will make okay. sure to give you and Molly a big hug before I let okay. you go, Linda. What would you share with our listeners about the power of organ donation? I've always been an organ donor, but I never, ever imagined being a recipient. You just can change someone's whole world. You wanted to do it just because, you know, you're you're not going to be using them anymore. So let somebody else live. But you, you, it's 
so much bigger than you realize. It is. You're right. It's so much bigger than just the physical act of, of receiving an organ transplant. Linda, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. And I just wish you years and years and years of wonderful health and enjoy, you. enjoy every minute of your life. Oh, I do. You have a whole new appreciation for life when you come that close. Yeah. You don't realize how quick it could all be changed for you. I'm going to turn back to Molly now. I'd really like to talk a little more about Garrison. You're aware that August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month. And as a mom of a black young man, I'd like to get your insight into the importance of this month. A lot of people have actually asked that. And and one of the things that when we were uh, first communicating with some of the recipients, and we didn't hear back from them real quick, Like we did the first couple times and then I sent pictures of Garrison and the ones that we have had communications with and have gotten pictures of were Caucasian. And I wondered when it took a while to hear back, like, did it affect them in their thought process? Like, did they see him for race and not who he was in their life? That was something that was very important to me is that they saw my son for who he was. Because when I looked at Garrison, I didn't see his skin tone. He was my baby. Even though he was 20, he was still my baby boy. And so it was important to me that even as an African-American young man, that people saw him for who he was. And it is important because I know from what we've been told that sometimes, even though Garrison matched with Caucasians, sometimes it's a little bit harder to match African-Americans. So I don't know the truth in that, but that's some things that we've been told. There is truth in that. And I will say they are looking into that very closely. There's something called the Apollo Project that's going on. Right, which Garrison was part of. Oh, great. And so, as you know, then it's, it's really is looking at, you know, that matching ethnicity to ethnicity that may give somebody uh, another way to make sure that organ transplant survives. There is truth in that. Right. Yeah. Garrison is still a part of the Apollo study. So we were aware of that. But again, it's just so important. And like I said, we're a very blended family. And so... I have other children that are African-American and, you know, they may need the transplant down the road and they may be one that because of the Apollo study and because of Garrison and other young men and women like him, their lives may be touched because of other young donors of ethnicity. And so that's always something that's in the back of my mind, too, is that, you know, I do have other children that that could affect. And when it comes down to it, it, you know, the need for an organ transplant doesn't discriminate. You know, anybody can get end stage renal failure, lung failure, liver failure, et cetera. And with donation, it, it doesn't discriminate either. Anybody can end up never thinking it, as you said, and all of a sudden you're, you're giving that option of, do you want your loved one to be a donor? It really is something that doesn't discriminate, but, you know, we want to make sure everybody has an equal foot on the playing field for receiving transplants and, you know, understand what donation is about. So I thank you for that. That's a frank comment. And um, I really appreciate that. 
I appreciate everything that you're doing to spread the word. And that's why we have been so willing to do the podcast is because we want, again, to get the education and the awareness out there and to tell the story from our side, from a donor family and, and from a mom that literally held her hand on her 20-year-old son's chest as his heartbeat for the last time. Mm. Um, and it's an experience and uh, an emotion that I would never wish on any parent, but it's one that because I've experienced, I want to be an open book about because I want to be a support if there's another parent around me that's going through it or even somebody random that sees something on Facebook and messages and says, you know, hey, I'm going through this and you know, wants to talk about it. I, I try and be an open book about it because of that. We applaud your efforts and, and we support your efforts. And Molly, you are phenomenal. And we thank you for sharing mm-hmm. your story and sharing Garrison with us. I feel like I know him and I want to give you a big hug and, and we'll be hugging Garrison um, when I yes. see you at the walk and run. Yes, we will. Well, thank you. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.